Welcome to the Faith Podcast. Thank you for tuning in today. I'm Pastor Carrick Butler II. We believe today's message will empower you to make Jesus famous in every area of your life. Here's today's message. Everyone said, Amen. Say, I take eyes to see, I take ears to hear. I forgive everybody of everything. I receive supernatural debt cancellation. The Word of God that I'm about to receive will enable me and empower me to make Jesus famous in my everyday life. You may be seated. Open your Bibles with me to the book of Leviticus. Leviticus chapter 6. The third book of the Bible, Leviticus chapter 6. Leviticus chapter 6. As you turn there, last week we revealed our new vision statement, our new mission statement, and wrote out our new branding and logo. And so we're going to pick up where we left off last week. And also where it comes to this new branding and logo, we have some new t-shirts and hoodies coming in. And so you can order them online. They have the shield on them. They have We Are Faith. There's different designs. They come in black, white, and blue. So you can go to FCCGA.com store and order your size. And so as we wrote out our new vision statement, talking about where we're going in the next 25 years. This year we celebrated 25 years of faith. But now we've moved past that to look at our next 25. And our vision statement, what we said, is to ignite an awakening that impacts Georgia and influences the world through the power of the love of Jesus. We said our vision statement is to ignite an awakening that impacts Georgia and influences the world through the power of the love of Jesus. As we said last week, ignite, of course, means to catch fire or to cause to catch fire. We said an awakening is an act of waking from sleep, an act or a moment of becoming suddenly aware of something, a renewal of interest in religion, especially in a community. It is a revival. As we learned in Isaiah 60 last week, it is our responsibility to ignite and set things on fire with the fire of the Holy Ghost. We said to ignite this awakening, we cannot contain our works to Austell and Cobb County. We must fill and surround this state in order to impact it. We must fill and surround this state in order to impact, and that is exactly what we will do. So Leviticus chapter 6, verse 12. Leviticus chapter 6, verse 12. And God has given Moses instructions concerning how the tabernacle in the wilderness should be run and operate. And he says, And the fire upon the altar shall be burning in it, it shall not be put out. Say, not be put out. And the priest shall burn wood on it every morning and lay the burnt offering in order upon it. And he shall burn thereon the fat of the peace offerings. The fire shall ever be burning upon the altar. Say, ever burning. Ever burning. It shall never go out. Say, never go out. So we see simply here, the fire that's on the altar should never be put out. Two of the priestly functions were to fuel the fire, because it's put wood on the fire, and to maintain the fire. But where did the fire in the tabernacle come from? Because even when we get to the days of the temple and the days of Solomon, that temple had fire, and that fire was never supposed to go out. Where did the fire come from? Go to Leviticus chapter 9, verse 24. The fire that's in the tabernacle and in the temple was never supposed to go out. It was the job of the priest to keep that fire burning. Leviticus chapter 9, verse 24. And there came a fire out from before the Lord and consumed upon the altar the burnt offering and the fat, which when all the people saw, they shouted and fell on their faces. I guess so. If fire suddenly appeared in the room or fire fell from heaven, you would shout too. 
Some of you will fall on your faces. Some of you will run out the door, but you still have the same reaction. Go to 2 Chronicles chapter 7. 2 Chronicles chapter 7. So we see fire came out from before the Lord and ignited the fire on the altar in the tabernacle. 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verse 1. 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verse 1. This is the dedication of Solomon's temple. Now when Solomon had made an end of praying, the fire came down from heaven and consumed the burnt offering and the sacrifices, and the glory of the Lord filled the house. When we look at chapter 5 and chapter 6, the glory has already filled the house. There's sometimes there's moves of the Spirit that comes in waves. And so here's another wave of the glory of God fills the temple because the first wave came in. The priest couldn't even get up to minister. And now the glory comes in so strong, the priest could not enter into the house of the Lord because the glory of the Lord had filled the Lord's house. And when all the children of Israel saw how the fire came down and the glory of the Lord upon the house, they bowed themselves with their faces to the ground upon the pavement and worshiped and praised the Lord, saying, For he is good, for his mercy endures forever. So in the tabernacle and the temple, the fire upon the altar was lit by a manifestation of God's glory. In the tabernacle and in the temple, the fire upon the altar was lit by a manifestation of God's glory. So here's an eternal principle you should never forget. Whatever fire God starts in your life, it is your job to maintain it. Whatever fire God starts in your life, it is your job to maintain it. You see, the priests were to put wood or fuel in it at the start of the day and the sacrifice every night. This was a continual process. They were to do this whether they were tired or not, whether they felt anointed or not. This is what they were to do continually. Peter said that we are a royal priesthood. So we also have priestly responsibilities. We are to maintain the fire that God has ignited in our life. So my question for you today is, are you fueling and maintaining the fires that God has started in your life? Are you fueling and maintaining the fires God has started in your life? When you're born again, he set a fire in your heart for living for him. He set fires in your heart concerning your purpose and the things he's called you to do. But are you maintaining and fueling the fire God started in your life? Go to Mark chapter 16. Mark chapter 16. Are you fueling and maintaining the fire God has started in your life? Mark chapter 16. Mark chapter 16, verse 19. Mark 16, verse 19. So then after the Lord had spoken unto them, he was received up into heaven and sat on the right hand of God. And they went forth and preached everywhere, the Lord working with and confirming the word with signs following. Amen. Now, why did they go everywhere? Simple. They're on fire. Why did they go everywhere? They're on fire. If an article of your clothing caught on fire, you would not stay still. You would get to moving. These early disciples went everywhere because they were on fire. I can prove it. Go to Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2. Verse 1. 
So you have to understand when Jesus was raised from the dead, he spent 40 days walking the earth, spending time with his disciples and followers, pouring into them and talking to them concerning the kingdom of God. And in his conversations and messages and sermons to them, he says, I want you to wait in Jerusalem until you've been endued with power of the Holy Ghost. He ascends on day 40, and 10 days later is the day of Pentecost. When Jesus walked the earth after his resurrection, he's, over 500 people saw him. But on the day of Pentecost, there's only 120 people there. We know the day of Pentecost is when he pours out the Holy Spirit, and Jesus wanted them to wait until that day came. Think about it. The hundreds of people that weren't there because they couldn't wait for Jesus. Could you imagine the excuse? Where were you today? The Holy Ghost and fire came down. You see what had happened was. You know, I stayed up really late. I watched Jimmy Fallon and Trevor Noah, and then I started watching Netflix, and it said, are you still watching? And I said, yes, and I kept watching some more, and then I had to check Instagram, and then it was, two, it was 3 a.m., 4 a.m., and I went to sleep, and I slept through my alarm and didn't make it to church. Some of you, see, that looks at some of you as conviction. <laughs> see, some of you smile when you're convicted, so no one knows I'm talking about you. That's the perfect thing to do. Just keep smiling. Nobody knows when it just zings you. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire, and it sat upon each of them. And after the fire came on them, they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. When the Holy Ghost and fire came upon them, they were filled with the Spirit. They were set on fire for God. What was the result of this? We know Peter stands up and preaches. These are not drunk as you suppose. Why? All the people around had gathered in a crowd says these people must be drunk. Not because they're speaking in multiple languages. If you ever went to a place and people were speaking in a lot of different languages, you don't think they're drunk. You just think they know a lot of different languages. The only reason you think people are drunk is because they're acting like they're drunk. They're stumbling around. They're rolling. They're laughing. He's like, oh, these people must be drunk. Peter gets up and says, these people are not drunk like you suppose. It's only 9 a.m. That meant something then. It means nothing today. So Peter says, this is what it says in the book of Joel. I like what a Pentecostal preacher says. You don't have a Holy Ghost church unless you have to explain something to the visitors every once in a while. So he goes and says, this is what's happening. This is what God says. He's pouring out his spirit. And then as he preaches that message, 3,000 people are born again. 3,000 people get saved. Peter is walking his call as a fisher of men, catching people and winning them to Jesus. Now, what is the result of this outpouring of the Holy Ghost when the fire of God comes? Verse 42 a scripture we've been looking at a lot in the last few weeks. And it says, And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' teaching, and fellowship and partnership, and in breaking of bread. They did life together, and in prayers. Why did they continue steadfastly? Because they were on fire. We said last week, continue steadfastly means to be devoted to, to persevere, and not to faint. We said this phrase, continued steadfastly, means to be devoted to, to persevere, and not faint. This word devotion means love, loyalty, or enthusiasm for a person, activity, or cause. Devotion also means the use of time, money, energy, and et cetera for a particular purpose. Devotion is also zealous or ardent in attachment, loyalty, and affection. Zealous or ardent in attachment, loyalty, or affection. They continued steadfastly because they were on fire. They were zealous and enthusiastic for the cause because they were on fire. Go to Romans chapter 12, verse 11. They were able to persevere because they were on fire. 
They were enthusiastic. They were passionate about what God called them to do because they were on fire. We talk about this year as a year of fullness, overflow, and glory. And one of the manifestations of the glory is the fire of God. We talk about this is a year of Holy Ghost and fire. Romans chapter 12, verse 11. It says, not slothful in business, not lazy in business. This word business means diligence, earnestness, zeal, the urgency of movement or action. This word business means diligence, earnestness, zeal, and the urgency of movement or action. Last week, we talked about the different stats that are going on in our nation, and there is an urgency for us to do what God has called us to do. We can't just sit around and say, well, maybe someone else will do it. It's time to I'll stop thinking about what will someone else do. It's time for us to do what God has called us to do. There's an urgency to do what God has called us to do here at Faith. And God says, don't be lazy in diligence, lazy in being earnest, lazy in zeal, or lazy in being urgent of movement or action. What does it say? Be fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. The word fervent here means to boil with heat, to boil with heat, to be hot, to be zealous. To boil with heat, to be hot, to be zealous, to be devoted. See, we are to be zealous in carrying out the plan of God. We are to be on fire for his purposes. We are to be passionate and enthusiastic about what he has called us to do as individuals and what he's called us to do as a church family. So my question to you today is, are you on fire or are you just holding a candle to what God did in the past? Are you on fire or are you just holding a candle to what God did in the past? Because there's a lot of people who says, well, back then, back in the day, this is what happened. God did this then. God did this then. God did this then. They're always talking about the past. If you're always talking about the past, you're not on fire for your future. Thank God for what he did in the past. But if you're on fire, you're grateful for the past. But you know you serve a God who's always doing things in an increasing measure. That he never does things in a diminishing measure. He's not going backward. He's going forward. If you're on fire, you're excited about your future. So the question is, if you're on fire, you can ask yourself, if you're on fire, are you more excited about your future or are you more excited about your past? Are you on fire? Go to Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. Are you on fire? Candles for the past are for museums. Time to get on fire for what God's doing now and in the future. Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. And verse 7, the scriptures we look at all the time during Christmas. We know it's talking about Jesus. So Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6 is, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful because he's wonderful. Counselor because he's our counselor. Because he's the mighty God, the everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace, there shall be no end. Upon the throne of David, upon his kingdom, to order it and to establish it with judgment and with justice from henceforth even forever. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. So we see here the calling and the ministry of Jesus. When Jesus came to earth, he said, I came to seek and save the lost. We know he came to take our sins. He died for our sin, was raised for our justification. So how did Jesus complete his mission? How did he fulfill the purpose God has called him to? With zeal. He was zealous. He was enthusiastic. He was 
passionate. He was on fire for what God called him to do. Revelation chapter 1 verse 14 talks about Jesus and this manifestation of glory says, his eyes were as flame of fire. There were fire in his eyes. Have you ever met someone that there's fire in their eyes? You can tell they're passionate. You can tell they're enthusiastic for whatever they're talking about. You can see the fire in their eyes. See, in Revelation chapter 2 verse 18, when Jesus is writing to the church in Thyatira, he writes and introduces himself as these things say of the Son of God who has eyes like unto a flame of fire. So when he's talking to the church, he says, I want you to know I'm the Son of God and I got fire in my eyes. In Revelation 19, 12, when Jesus is coming back, leading us back after the tribulation, it says he has fire in his eyes and many crowns upon his head. See, Jesus has fire in his eyes. He is passionate about his mission. He accomplished his mission through his zeal for God, through his passion, through his fire for God. Jesus was on fire for the mission that the Father had given him. We must have the same fire that our Lord has. It is that fire that will enable us to continue steadfastly, enthusiastically, and be devoted to the cause God has given us as individuals and as a faith family. Jesus has that expectation of us. Jesus expects us to be on fire. Remember, Jesus doesn't like lukewarm. He said in the book of Revelation, if you're lukewarm, I will vomit you out my mouth. Jesus does not like lukewarm. He wants you to be on fire. Go to Luke chapter 12, verse 35. Are you on fire? Luke chapter 12, verse 35. Are you on fire? So notice how he starts. It says, let your loins be girded about or mean stay dressed, stay wet, ready. And your lights, your lamps, your candles burning. And ye yourselves like unto men that wait for their Lord when he will return from the wedding, that when he comes and knocks, that he may open unto him immediately. Blessed are those servants whom the Lord, when he comes, shall find watching. Verily I say unto you, that he shall gird himself and make them to sit down to meet, and will come forth and serve them. And if he shall come in the second watch or in the third watch and find them so, blessed are those servants. So he uses this parable as imagine a group of servants that are waiting for the master to come back from a wedding feast. So he's coming back from this wedding feast, and they're watching all night until he gets back. Whether it's early in the evening, late at night, early the next morning, they're waiting for him to come back. He says, blessed are the servants whom the master finds doing or ready. That's what it means. The loins go about stay ready, and the torches lit on fire for when he comes back. He says, when they come back, the master will personally serve them a meal. Jesus is comparing this to when he comes back. Because we know those who are ready are going to, and looking for his turn will be raptured. Well, one of the things we forget, we know we're going to the marriage supper of the Lamb. But if you're ready and you get raptured at the marriage supper of the Lamb, you think, well, who's going to serve my meal? It's going to be Jesus. Jesus will personally serve you at the marriage supper of the Lamb as an act of appreciation for you living for him. But he comes back for those who are looking, for those who are ready. Jesus wants you to stay ready. He wants you to stay on fire. That's his expectation of you, that in these end times, in these last days, you're ready for his return and you're on fire. Say, stay ready. Say, stay on fire. Say, stay ready. Say, stay on fire. That's Jesus' expectation for you. See, Jesus likes people who are on fire. 
Because when he talked about John the Baptist in John chapter 5, verse 35, he said, talks about John the Baptist was a burning and a shining light. Jesus referred to John the Baptist as a man on fire, a burning and shining light. Can he describe you as a man or woman on fire? If Jesus was talking about you, he says, yeah, that man's on fire. That woman's on fire. He said, oh, no, I love them, but I love them, but they used to be on fire, but now that fire has waned down. I love them. They got a couple embers there. I see a little fire somewhere. I love them, but they let life get their fire down. I love them. They used to be on fire in the 60s, but now. Can Jesus describe you as a man or woman on fire? Say, stay ready. ready. Say, stay on fire. fire. Go to Matthew chapter 3, verse 11. Let's see what this man on fire, John the Baptist, had to say. Matthew chapter 3, verse 11. What John the Baptist was preaching. Matthew chapter 3, verse 11. I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance, but he, Jesus, that comes after me is mightier than I, whose shoes I'm not worthy to bear. He shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. Jesus is the baptizer and the Holy Ghost and fire. On the day of Pentecost, Jesus sent his fire upon his followers. That same fire that was on him, the same fire that was in his eyes, he sent it upon his followers so they could be on fire just like him. This fire enabled them to continue steadfastly, to be devoted, and to be enthusiastic about their purpose just like Jesus was about his. That same fire that was on them and on Jesus is available to you today. Just like in the Old Testament when Elijah was taken up and his mantle fell to the earth, Elisha picked up that mantle and said, where is the God of Elijah? And he smote the waters and the waters parted. When Jesus ascended to heaven, he dropped his mantle, the Holy Ghost sent fire. And it's time for the church to pick up the mantle of Jesus and show that there is a God walking in the earth in you and upon you. Say, stay ready. Say, stay on fire. Jesus wants you submerged in the Holy Ghost and fire. When we baptize people and we take them under the water, they come out, they are drenched in water. Jesus wants you drenched in the Holy Ghost and fire. See, the Holy Ghost himself is described in picture as fire in Acts chapter 2 and in Revelation chapter 4 before the throne of God. In Ezekiel chapter 1, the fathers resembles fire from the waist up and fire from the waist down. On the day of Pentecost, the early church was submerged in that same fire. You have fire on the inside of you. What are you doing with it? See, in Jeremiah chapter 20, Jeremiah wants to quit his mission. He wants to quit his purpose. He is complaining. He says, God, you tricked me. I'm done. I'm done with these people. I'm done with this mission. I ain't going to preach no more. But then he said the word that got put on the inside was like a fire shut up in his bones. And he got too tired trying to hold it back. And he opened his mouth and began to preach some more. You should do such a good job on every day stirring up that fire that on days when you are tired and want to quit, the fire you stirred up days before speaks to you and says, you got to get back and fulfill your purpose. you got to get back and do what God's called you to do. You can't take a day off. You can't be tired. You can't give up now. What's in front of you is better than what's behind you. Your best is yet to come. You have to have that fire in your belly that moves you forward no matter what resistance comes your way. The fire in you has to be stronger than the resistance on the outside. 
Say, stay ready. Say, stay on fire. Go to Isaiah chapter 6, verse 1. We have to be on fire. Isaiah chapter 6, verse 1. The early church was on fire. That's why amazing things happen. Isaiah chapter 6, verse 1. Glory to Jesus. Thank you for your presence and fire in this place. Isaiah chapter 6, verse 1. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw also the Lord sitting upon the throne, high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple. And above it stood the seraphims. Each one had six wings. With two he covered his face. With two he covered his feet. With two he did fly. And one cried unto another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the post of the door moved at the voice of him that cried. And the house was filled with smoke. Then said I, Woe is me, for I am undone. Because I'm a man of unclean lips, I said some things on 285 that I shouldn't be when they cut me off. <laughs> and I dwell in the midst of people who cuss just like me. <laughs> for my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. He's thinking my life is done for because I remember some things I've said. And I'm standing before God. What am I going to do? I'm undone. I'm about to be destroyed. What is God's answer to this? An angel comes and takes a live coal or a burning coal from off the altar and puts it to his mouth and says, now your mouth is clean. See, God wants your mouth on fire. He wants your life submerged in his fire. Go to 2 Timothy chapter 1. God wants your mouth on fire. He wants your fire in his eye, in your eyes. He wants you submerged in the Holy Ghost and fire and enthusiastic about the purpose he has given you as an individual and the purpose he's given us as a church family. Because it's not going to take one person in this church family for this vision to come to pass. It takes all of us because we are better together. It's going to take all of us on fire, not just one preacher on fire. It's going to have to be all of us on fire, all of us all in, all of us enthusiastic about what God has called us to do. 2 Timothy chapter 1 verse 6. Notice what the Apostle Paul told Timothy. He says, Wherefore I put thee in remembrance that thou stir up the gift of God, which is in thee by the putting on of my hands. Paul says, When I laid hands on you, a deposit of the Spirit went into you. An impartation went on the inside of you. And so since you received that deposit and impartation of the Spirit, it's your job to stir it up. Say, stir it up. This phrase, stir it up, means to kindle up, to rekindle, or to inflame one's mind, strength, and zeal. It's to kindle up, to rekindle, or to inflame one's mind, strength, and zeal. You can stir up your passion. You can stir up your enthusiasm. You can stir up your zeal. You can stir up the fire of God that God's put on the inside of you. You can stir up the gift of God that's on the inside of you. You don't have to wait for Sunday for me to stir you up. You don't have to wait for a mover God like today to stir you up. You can stir yourself up at home so you can stay on fire. Because remember, you are a priest. It is your job to stir up the fire, to fuel the fire, to maintain the fire on the inside of you. To stir up and keep going your passion and your enthusiasm. To do such a good job that even on days when you're tired, that fire talks to you. That you can't stay in bed. You got to get up. You got to pray. You got to read the word. You got to go to work because what you're going to do today is going to make a difference. To such a point that fire moves you. Fire will make you move, as I said before. If you're on fire, you're not going to stay still. 
2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 6, in the Amplified Classic Edition, says it this way. This is why I remind you to stir up, rekindle the embers of, fan the flame of, and keep burning the gracious gift of God, the inner fire that is in you by the means of the laying on of my hands, with those of the elders at your ordination. You see, even if the fire, if you're once on fire, and it's gone down to just an ember, all it takes for an ember to become a raging fire is the wind to blow on it. We've seen forest fires that die down, but all of a sudden the wind changes and it picks back up again. So even if you're today and says, Pastor, I want to be on fire, but my fire has died down. I need some supernatural help to get it going again. All it takes today for the Holy Ghost to go, and you can be on fire again. It doesn't take a lot. It takes one good wind of the Holy Ghost. And I believe today if you're not on fire right now, by the time we leave this building, you will be on fire. That the Holy Ghost will do something supernatural to stir up your passion, to stir up your dream again, to stir up the giftings on the inside of you. So you leave this place on fire and you don't let Monday put out your fire. Oh, it's Monday. I'm tired, but I'm on fire. So I'm going to get up this bed. I'm not going to talk about having Monday blues. I'm on fire. This Monday is going to be good for me because you're on fire. You see, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 29. Let's go there. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 29. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 29. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 29. For our God is a consuming fire. One quality about fire? It's simple. It burns things up. See, the fire of God, when it comes on your life, it can burn up what's not supposed to be there. See, things that you couldn't shake in a 12-step program, you can encounter the fire of God and get free. See, addictions you've been fighting your entire life because someone messed with you when you're younger, the fire of God can come on you and set you free. The things that they can't drug out of you, the things that psychologists can't counsel out of you, the things that psychiatrists can't drug out of you, the fire of God can set you free. The fire can burn up anything that Satan and wicked people have done and cause you to stay refined before Jesus, pure as perfect as he is. The fire of God consumes. The fire of God refines. But we have to stay on fire. Say, stay ready. Say, stay on fire. See, even in Revelation chapter 5, verse 2, the church is pictured as a sea of glass mingled with fire. Our God is a consuming fire. And he wants us to be people that are on fire for him and what he has called us to do. If we always look at the past, we can lose our fire. But if we look to our God and our future, we can increase in fire. And God can do more through us than ever before. Because the glory of the latter house will be greater than the glory of the former house. So if you're going to stay on fire for God, you should expect my best days are always ahead of me. You may have seen some good things in the past, but if you're on fire, you know you can see better things ahead. As an individual and as a church family, we saw some great things in the last 25 years, but our best is yet to come. We're entering into our best days now. I hope you enjoyed today's message. We never want to close a broadcast without giving you an opportunity to make Jesus the Lord of your life. So if you've never asked him into your heart, you've never made him your Lord and Savior, pray this prayer with me today and mean it from your heart. Say, Heavenly Father, I believe that Jesus is your son. I believe that he died for me, but on the third day, you raised him from the dead. 
Dear Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Save me now. Forgive me of my sins. Fill me with your spirit and help me to live this Christian life. If you prayed that prayer and meant it from your heart, we believe you've been born again. We ask that you email us at info at FCCGA.com. That's FCCGA.com to let us know about the decision you've made for Christ today. Have an amazing day.